This is a podcast by The Straits Times. So I'm not sure that we'll see a 51 seconds here. Schooling is out. He will not make it through to defend his Olympic crown. It's the question that many in the local sports fraternity have been asking. Few have said it publicly, but recent developments have sparked off whispers and speculation about the future of Singapore's biggest sports star. Hi, I'm ST Sports reporter Deepan Raj Ganesan, and on this episode of ST's Heart Tackle, we dive into the question, have we seen the last of Joseph Schooling in action? For the first time since his 2011 debut, Joseph Schooling will not represent Singapore at the Cambodia Sea Games in May. The Republic's only Olympic champion said this on March 1st after withdrawing from the swim team headed for Cambodia. After careful consideration with my team, I've decided to pull out from the Sea Games. This was not an easy decision, but I'm currently not at the level at which I hold myself to perform. Now, just to lay down some context for the listeners. In August 2022, Schooling was embroiled in a drug controversy in which he and fellow swimmers Tiong Chen Wei and Amanda Lim admitted to consuming cannabis. On top of fines and suspensions, Schooling, who is currently in NS, was also reprimanded by the Ministry of Defence. Mindef noted that given his abuse of disruption privileges, Schooling would no longer be eligible for leave or disruption to train or compete while in NS. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is not a topic many want to address publicly. So I'm very thankful for the guests who are joining me today on ST's Heart Tackle. Joining me are former national swimmer David Lim and managing director at SwimFast Aquatic Group and a former teammate of Joseph Schooling, former national swimmer and Asian Games winner Tao Li, who runs the Tao Li Swimming Club. Welcome to the show, guys. First of all, um, it's only right to begin the conversation with, you know, what kind of legacy Joseph Schooling has set for Singapore swimming and sports in general. So David, I'll come to you first. Uh, what, what is the legacy he has set? There is no doubt that that is one of a kind. I think it's going to take a long, long, long time before athlete from Singapore is going to win a gold medal at the Olympics. And he did it in a sport where it's participated by, what, 160, 70 countries instead of uh, some obscure sport that's, you know. So, tip my hat to him. He did very well and we're also proud of him. Tauli, what, what about you? What kind of a legacy do you think schooling has set? I think he has achieved something that we all, as a swimmer, dream to be, to win an Olympic gold medal. And not swimming, but I think in general, like everybody's dream, be a sports person, you want to be an Olympic champ. So, he's achieved something that none of us has you know, done before. And David, I think you, you would also know uh, firmly when both of you guys, you know, have been coaching also. Did younger kids, you know, suddenly become aspirational to try and be the next Joseph Schooling after what Schooling did for Singapore Swimming? For sure, for sure. After the gold medal was won, we got an influx of inquiries from our website, telephone, the parents wanting the kids to start swimming and learning and all that. And then it went on from there. And, and of course, now that we have an understanding, thanks to Tao Li and David, uh, of what Joseph Schooling means to sport in this country, I think it gives us a perspective of why his future is such an important discussion for us. So let's first try to gain an insight into Schooling's predicament at the moment. David, you were in national service before. And given the fact that you had to grapple with NS commitments, how tough was it to still train? Did you still feel that your levels dropped? Um, yes, I think for me, compared to when I was doing my NS, compared to what it is right now, it was a bit different. Back then, we were given time off, okay, to come out and train full time. And we did that 
diligently, honestly, <laughs> and no no qualms about it. You know, you just produce the goods and nobody questions you. But right now, from what I've read, I think getting time off the train is tough and I can imagine that it's going to be doubly or triply hard for a full-time athlete to get back to the levels that they want to. All right. Uh, Tauli, when, when you are not training regularly, what physical changes do you see or feel? Because now we have to assume that schooling isn't able to, to train as regularly as he used to before he enlisted, right? So what kind of, of changes did you see to your body? Well, to my body, it's like, for me, it's getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing, like you eat nonstop. Okay. And you say one, I know I say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody is like, oh, for my body shape, like it's, if I stop uh, training, I will put on weight. So, you know, the coach have to like eat, have to remind you, don't eat too much. And that's the first thing. Now, second thing to training, I guess, is that you lose the water feel. And then, you know, we used to like, if you don't train one day, you need double of the time to get back to where we were before. So I think, yeah, like the water sports, you have to swim every single day, actually. So if you don't swim, it's out of shape very quickly. So so just some background, and this is just the, the understanding that I have. Uh, so so I understand that Joseph Schooling uh, does get to train before he starts his day in NS. So I think he wakes up about 5, 6 a.m. From what I understand, he goes to the pool for a few laps and, and trains. And perhaps in whatever spare time on perhaps the weekend or after uh, his shift in, in NS, he does train here and there. But what is the difference between that where, you know, what I describe Schooling's schedule to be and the actual kind of training that takes place uh, when national athletes uh, train? David? It's it's totally different. Uh, if you're training alone and you don't have that drive and motivation, somebody on deck to drive you, to, to motivate you, to give you certain things to push you, it's totally different. It's, it's more like a casual, casual swimming instead of uh, real training. And I think um, that is a huge disparity. Yeah, Tauli, what I wanted to ask also is the fact that have you had to train alone sometimes and how different is that in terms of motivation when you train with your teammates or when you train alone? Actually, I was trained alone like when I was preparing my 2008 Olympic Games. I mean, for just a week because then sports school hired someone from China to sparring with me. So two boys. So I think... The sparring partners is extremely important because if I don't have someone to pace and then I will just, you know, cannot hit the intensity that you should be hitting and then the end result, you will be like, you know, in Olympic Games, 0, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 counts. So you really need to like push yourself every single day to your limit to achieve something that at that level. So training with the group and then monitor as a, like you have to have a team to monitor you, is extremely important at that level of swimming. I mean, at that level of sports. If you be talking about you training sea games, then probably you don't need that kind of like, you can train by yourself sometimes. But if you're talking about like high levels, you have to have someone to spar on you. Okay. Um, given that we have an understanding of, you know, how schooling is probably feeling in terms of training, I think we've talked about the milder stuff so far. Let's get into the serious stuff. Uh, I want to hear your opinions on whether we have seen the last of our Olympic champion in competition. First of all, Tao Li, what do you think? Um, do you think it's over for schooling? Well, to be honest, like 
I think life not just about swimming for him and for everyone else, right? So if he has already achieved like Olympic gold, which is what everybody wants, if it's over for him, I think it's fair enough, and it just nobody in a short like what Angus David says, nobody in a short term can achieve something that what he has achieved, and if it's over, then it's over. Uh, and it's it's good for him to try something else rather than just swimming. But but do you think that um given the news of his pullout from the Sea Games, do you think retirement is soon, or do you still think he can come back for perhaps the Asian Games, or, or what is your assessment at the moment of where his career is? If I were him, I would choose to retire. But in terms of his training and everything, like come together, like the armies. To be honest, I don't think that he will, at some levels, back to Asian Games to win a goal or, or or to do anything like to achieve something that he has been achieved. Mm-hmm. David, uh, time to put you on the spot. Can you see Joseph Schooling making a comeback? Um, based on his current uh, circumstances, on training limits and time off and all that, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's going to be very hard for him. Um, to get to the levels that he's used to or he's been used to or even the public's used to. And you don't want to keep on putting in disappointing swims, uh, performances in and out and get a flag. You know, what's the point? So if you, all the circumstances were right, you're given the time off, you're getting the right training facilities and coaching, I think why not? But based on what he is facing right now, it's going to be very, very hard for him to get back to the levels that we are used to and even for himself. So I think retirement may be a good option. And as what Tali said, you can do other things. You, you know, I, I was having a conversation with someone in the swimming fraternity recently and they threw up the possibility that, you know, perhaps Joseph Schooling is pulling out from the Sea Games because he wants to focus on the Asian Games. Uh, like he wants to, be, because of course you have to put it into context that because he has, he doesn't have the ability to take leaves anymore given what transpired with uh, the cannabis saga. He wants to save his leaves for the Asian Games and then compete at the Asian Games. Is it as easy as that? Is it as easy to just say, uh, you know what, I'm going to put the Sea Games training uh, to the side. I'm going to focus on the Asian Games and then just come and compete at the Asian Games and be able to perform well. David, is that something, am I getting into a believable strategy here? No. No, you're not. Because for for athletes like like uh, Tali and Joseph, you know, even like us, you know, every meet contributes to the next. As far as uh, Asian Games, even preparing for Asian Games, Sea Games would be a good stepping stone because the competition is not as tough. There's racing opportunities. And when you get to the Asian Games and you got the big boys like China and Japan, South Korea, these are no pushovers. And you get to that stage, if you're sort of like putting your eggs in a basket for that one, I think you'd be sorely uh, mistaken because you're going to be taken to the cleaners. Tauli, uh, did you ever prioritize certain competitions uh, when you were competing? Like, did you ever say, uh, okay, I'm going to skip one competition to focus on the other? Is it as easy as just saying it? Well, we're looking at the, like what, I mean, Uncle David has said it all, actually. We usually plan is a four-year circle. We're not saying that you drop this one and then you participate this another one. So, like, if you go to Sea Games, say you have to go, then it's like if 
we are not tapering, then you can swim at the Sea Games. And then you swim the next Asian Games. There's no way that you drop out one and then you focus on the next one and you, you expect him to win something. That's not going to happen. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to my conversation with David Lim and Tao Li. Perhaps we can also just take a step back to maybe answer a question that can give an, uh, a wider variety of understanding for a regular, which is, what does it take to compete at excel at the highest level you know pe- people talk about swimming as though you know you just keep swimming practicing and then you can go on to do certain timings but uh, david really what does it take to compete and excel at the highest level it's uh, it takes a, a team of people actually but first and foremost it's got to start from the the athlete themselves i think the athlete themselves need to have that hunger the drive everything motivation passion name it you you need to have that and on top of that you need the supporting cast parents, um, the sports scientists, coaches, you know, everything's got to be in the right place at the right time for someone to achieve uh, what Joseph did. And you you look at the, the world-class swimmers from the other countries, they all have that supporting crew right behind them. You know, that's what we need. Even though, you know, from what you guys are saying, it seems to me that it's going to be very difficult for Joseph to come back and start winning gold medals at, at Asian Games or Sea Games level. What if, uh, and again, forgive me if I'm not really understanding how elite athletes think, but, you know, is it really wrong then if schooling comes back just to show that he's still interested in the sport and he wants to redeem himself and just try towards getting into the Asian Games? He might not go on to get a gold or silver medal, but do you at least see him competing with some of Asia's best at the Asian Games level? Maybe Tauli, you can tell me first. I mean, as an athlete who won the Olympic gold before, you don't want to be just at the game and swim, not even getting a medal. That's something that I wouldn't want to go. It's like I qualified for like Olympic Games on 2016, but I know that myself, I could not achieve like maybe top eight even. If I want to go, only I can be better. Otherwise, I wouldn't like lower myself to just go and compete and then I don't have anything comes back and imagine like all the public in Singapore well how they will judge me and and think about what you used to be an Olympic champ and then now you you can't even compete at Asian level so I as a swimmer and I won't put myself in that situation so I rather don't go so like what Joseph actually decided this time around. All right, that's fair. Uh, let's get into the, the mentality of things at the moment. Now, cannabis saga and NS aside, but let's be honest, Joseph's timings were not ideal even before enlistment. Uh, of course, he did win gold medals at the 2018 Asian Games and several gold medals at the 2017, 19 and 2021 SEA Games. But his timings regressed after Rio. At the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, he failed to qualify for the 100-meter butterfly semifinals, finishing 8th in his heat and 44th overall with a time of 53.12 seconds. You know, is this a case of him having already achieved the highest honour and not having the necessary will anymore. Tauli, I think, mentioned it a few times already, the fact that, yeah, he's already won the Olympic gold, what more? From an athlete's perspective, how hard is it to find motivation again when you've already achieved the ultimate goal, David? I think your stance will be different because the first time you win it, 
you approach it as you want to win it. But the second time going into it, you want to protect it. You defend it. I think the mindset, the approach are different. So for me, I think we need to go back and analyze uh, what was the winning formula for Joseph in 2016. And as I looked back, I realized that he did his best. Uh, he was hungry. He was motivated in 2016 because he was at University of Texas training under Eddie Rees. And my question, which was never answered, I asked many people on why did, didn't he go back to Eddie Rees after the Olympic Games, in the, at the 2016 Olympic Games. And no one could provide me an answer. So I left it at that. So my analogy is that, you know, if you had Michael Jordan or Scott Pippen on your team and you want to keep them winning championships year after year, year after year, why would you want to break up a winning formula? So this is my analogy. So I'm still trying to find out why didn't he go back to Eddie? So so is 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 it just about that that coaching wise? Or is there more to it? Because I, I think we were talking about it before we came for this recording and I asked you if is it just down to schooling alone and just him not having the willpower, but you felt that there are more factors to that. Tauli, if let's say you were in schooling's position and you had just won the Olympic gold. How do you see your mentality being? Do, do you feel like it's very important that you surround yourself with people, coaches and a fraternity that still wants and expects more from you? Or do you just think that the people around you, if they hail you as a hero and you will feel like, okay, that's it, I'm done from here? Actually, I was in his shoe before. Remember, I was like before schooling. Yeah. So in, t- I, um, in 2008, I was finished like fifth in Olympic Games and, and then I thought, okay, next one I should be getting a medal. But it's hard, you see, like, what do you want? And then you put in every day's training. It's it's hard. And the environment, you have to be like, everyone wants it. You know, everybody trains like you and push you and your surrounding. If like they're all world champs and then everyone, you see them like push themselves every day. And, you know, you see them like you saw the world champs, but they still like once it so badly training so hard. It's easier for you as a motivation. But if you, you know, I was all along training in Singapore, but everyone is like, oh, they want to go study. They want to go to school. They did this and that. So it's quite easily distracted, actually. So I didn't really perform that well on uh, 2012. So I can see him actually, like when he come back to Singapore and then he got like so much things around him. And then, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. And then he sometimes will, you, you actually sometimes will, will lost. Like we think, oh, yeah, the feeling is good. <laughs> you don't have to train me that hard anymore. When, when Tauli mentioned that he had a lot of distractions around him, David uh, smirked. Uh, and I'll come to you now, David. Uh, you know, this, this thing about distractions and all, whose responsibility is it to keep him in check? Is it him, his family, the, the sport? fraternity or the swimming fraternity who who plays a part well i would expect somebody to but apparently nobody had that role i mean i think the closest person was joseph's dad colin and i th- i think he, joe needed somebody to be holding his hand and saying you can do this you cannot do that and you need to do this you need to do that and i think when he came back to singapore after the gold medal there wasn't that one person that take up that role and lead him 
and guide him. The, the, the person who tells him what to do and what not to do. Yes. And and to me, I think also an interesting point that Tauli brought up was environment. Do you think he, he had the environment to keep improving? Not in Singapore. Because I always feel that um, in Singapore, uh, what Tauli even said, you know, too many distractions. You know, you've got sponsorships, you've got this, you got that. He walks around the streets, everybody recognizes him. It is not easy. It's a different kind of pressure. It's a different kind of uh, stress. But the thing is, it doesn't provide an athlete the correct environment to be focused and to train at that level. You need to go to a, a place where everybody is on the same page. Uh, that what Tali even said, you know, athletes that you train with are all gunning for the same thing. Olympic gold medals, maybe not the same same events, but there's a common goal. In Singapore, I think it was tough because he was the only one who won a medal at the Olympics and the others were all looking at SEA Games and Asian Games where it's beyond him at that time. Okay, uh, we have talked uh, pretty much everything we can possibly talk about when it comes to schooling's predicament. I want to move forward and you know see what kind of learning lessons we can draw from this. Uh, how could Singapore have better supported him? You know, uh, Where could Sport Singapore or the association and the coaches have done better? Tauli? Um, I think for the coach, maybe we need to learn a little bit more about high performance uh, because the most we have is SEA Games goal. We are at SEA Games level, we are really good. But, you know, we are at Olympic level, we still somehow there's a gap with our coaches, athletes, or even support team. So I think that we could, you know, go out more and to learn send our coaches for more you know overseas training or those so they, they see more and then the other thing is um, for athletes I guess they need to be more focused rather than just AMC games because I think from what I was training everybody talking about C games how important C game is but I feel that we should be beyond that so that we can have more upcoming good swimmers at least. All right, David, what, what lessons can we draw from this moving forward? Uh, is it as simple as we need to learn how to better manage our star athletes? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think both SSA and SportsSG, they, I think was um, I, I don't know, I, I just felt that we could have managed Joseph a bit better and that maybe this came as a, as a surprise and they, they weren't prepared and everybody wanted a piece of him when he came back. That piece needed to be taken care of. You know, needed to have uh, proper guidance, uh, what you can, cannot do. So all of a sudden, you have uh, Sports SG saying that you can do this, you cannot do that. Then you have SSA telling him he can do this, he cannot do that. There's so many people that are sort of, you know, trying to look out and over him from afar, not with him. So what I'm saying is that they needed somebody like just now to hold his hand and tell him, okay, look, what do you want to do next? You want to defend it? Can, this is what you need to do. That's it, you know? And then go to SSA, Sports SG. This is how much I need, okay? We want to do this. We want to do that. I'm sure at that point in time, he would have gotten anything and everything he asked for. Mm-hmm. So so basically what David is saying is there was a clear plan to win the Olympic gold, but there wasn't a clear plan to defend it. 
And I think a lot of people in the fraternity perhaps will agree with you, David. But my final question to both of you as we wrap things up is, a recap, so, so as to speak, will we see Joseph Schooling back in competition and what do you think he can still go on to achieve? Is a comeback out of the question, Tauli? Um, I don't think so. I think that he may compete, but we are asked another gold medal, we are asked another Olympic Games, it's too much for him and for everyone else. I, I think that it's best let him rest and then choose the life that he wants to do if he want to compete and that's his choice. He want to do it. Uh, if he don't want to do it, it's okay. And you know, he can play golf. He's a good golfer, right? And then he can do other things in life, right? I mean, he's only 20-something and that's uh, at least 40 years ahead of him, not just swimming. So... If he stops here, I think it's it's enough enough for him. David, is uh, a Joseph Schooling comeback out of the question? I think for his time left in the NS, it'll be out of the question uh, based on the fact that he had to, you know, do everything on his own and he has limited time off. And I think it's going to be tough during this NS period. But based on what I've said, you know, he's been not really training at that level for a year, year and a half, you know. So after his NS, maybe next next year, right? He can evaluate again and see whether if it's viable, a viable option for him to come back because it, it will take maybe at least six, nine, 12 months to get back to a certain, even not that same level, but to a certain level that you're able to compete at Sea Games and Asian Games. You're not forgetting because now there, there are other swimmers coming from behind. They are winning in the 50 fly, the 100 fly, and he may not even get in. So there goes, he needs to sit down and reevaluate. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, during his time in NS, I think it's going to be tough. All right, uh, David and Tauli, thank you so much for giving me your insights and being very honest uh, in this conversation. I'm sure many in the sports fraternity and swimming world will appreciate it. Thank you and thank you for coming for the recording. Thank you. Thank you. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.